It is wonderful to be here this morning. Uh, my name is Jamie, and I have one of the joys of being the senior pastor's wife here at Church on the Hill. And we get to talk about moms today, and I love that. What a great subject to talk about, some of the most amazing people in the world. So throughout the day, if we say something that reminds me of an amazing lady sitting next to you, give her a squeeze and say, that's you. If we say something that's not good that reminds you of the lady sitting next to you, just pretend that you didn't hear it. And then she'll say, that's kind of me, isn't it? But we are going to have a great time this morning. It's going to be a little different than our normal um, fiery preaching that we get from Pastor Adam. We're going to have more of a conversational morning and just really enjoy being together, talking about one of our favorite subjects, and that is moms. And when I say moms, I don't just mean that person that may have adopted you or given birth to you or become a stepmom through marriage. Those are amazing moms. But I'm also talking about those ladies in your life that were a mother to you because they they didn't mind saying, um, no, that doesn't look right. Or, are you really going to wear that? Or how about the finger lick, right? Like you got something on your face. Come here. I need to like take care of that. All those women in your lives. I grew up in South Louisiana. So anybody like a month older than you was a self a deputized mother in your life. It's just kind of the way we did things around there, but but it's a lot of fun. So we get to talk about moms this morning. Well, if you've met me, you know I'm a bit of a nerd, and especially a nature nerd. I think that's really fun to talk about. Nerd's a good word in my world, by the way. That's not a bad thing. People are like, no, 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 it's okay. You're, you're not. I'm like, but I really am, and it's all right, and I like being. So I thought it would be fun to talk, to share a few facts about some animal moms in the animal kingdom and some things that are fascinating about them. Um, Did you know that the mom who delivers the largest baby is actually the elephant she carries for 22 months? No, thank you. And delivers a 200-pound baby. No, thank you. I would rather not. Polar bear moms put on 400 pounds. Um, I felt like I put on 400 pounds with my pregnancies. People looked at me with pity as if I would put on 400 pounds, but, um, but thank goodness we did not. The ocean sunfish produces 300 million eggs. That's a lot of babies. That's more than a 15-passenger van can handle. The African black eagle only lays two eggs, but after they hatch, they choose their favorite and then don't feed the other one and finally allow their favorite chick to peck to death the other one. And you thought your mom had favorites. That takes it to a whole nother level. So, And then finally, a mother orangutan will literally carry her, um, her baby and even nurse them for six to seven years. Y'all, I have homeschool moms, and even they don't, with their friends, and even they don't go six to seven years. That's like crazy, crazy, crazy. But human moms have something that set them apart and make them different from anyone else, and that is love. That is a genuine love that that so many moms seem to be born with. And And some of us, it may take a little bit longer here and there, but innately, there's a desire of love that comes from moms to us, and we're so grateful for that. So this morning, we're going to talk about love because no one personifies it better to me than moms. So I brought a few moms that were friends to come along and help me out as we talk about love this morning, and I'd just love for them to take a minute and introduce themselves and tell us what you do here at Church on the Hill. Hi, good morning, good morning. Um, Yes, I'm Lynn McCain. I'm Pastor Adam's mom, and... uh, (laughs) 
He's an only child. And um, so, yes, we're some of the pastors here at Church on the Hill. We work in, our, in the small group ministry, and we're care pastors here at Church on the Hill. Okay, my name is Annalie Millarg. My husband, Matthew, and I are network pastors here. And I'm, <laughs> I'm mom to Isabella, Sophia, Olivia, and Erica. Four girls. And I'm Keisha Edwards. Uh, my husband and I are also network pastors here at Church on the Hill, and I'm mom to Eden, Justice, and Silas. And I have Cohen, Mariah, and Addie, and I think some of them are out here, and I apologize in advance that you might get talked about. So, uh, but they're used to it because we get, that happens to us on a weekly basis, right? So we're going to talk about love this morning, and we're going to talk about um, the love that a mother has, but even more, there's a love that's heavenly that we all get to experience and get to be a beneficiary of. So as we prepared for Mother's Day, you know, you start to think about Hannah in the Bible, you think about Mary, you think about people that were mothers in the Bible, but I just have been uh, really impacted by the last few weeks that we've been studying the radical teachings of Jesus, and we've been talking about things like forgiveness and love. And, and as we finished up that series, the person that most reminded me of love was actually Jesus, that, that there was such a sacrificial life of love given as he came to earth and he gave his life for us. So this morning, we're actually going to talk about not only some characteristics of love that we see in moms, but we also have seen that in the life of Christ. So I've been these three amazing ladies to help me this morning, and we're just going to talk about four of the characteristics of love that we see not only in mothers, but also in Jesus. So I've asked Mimi to start us off. Okay, great. Yes, one of the points that we're going to talk about, and again, thank you, Miss Jamie, the mother of our church. Happy Mother's Day, Miss Jamie. Amen. First lady, mama. Um, a mother's love is a believing love is what uh, my point is. And, you know, nothing, I love this uh, definition. Webster's defines belief or believing as to have faith or confidence in something's worth. I don't know about you, but that adequately describes it for me, that we have a belief in something's worth, not in, not in pass or fail, not in fall or get up, but in something's worth. You know, when Adam was growing up, we wanted our home to be the greatest place of belief that he could come through those doors and that our family could come through those doors. And in that place, in that home, there was safety and there were people who believed in you. We wanted that place to be the place where no one believed in your dreams more than we did. We didn't want you to have to go seek that somewhere else. But in that house, in those, through those doors, you found great belief in you and your worth and your dreams and your visions. You know, we were his greatest cheerleaders. You know, yes, I was that soccer mom, baseball mom, you know, like, Shh, me, uh, uh, hey, lady, can you be quiet? Hey, that's my kid, go! Oh, no, he's the one that's laying down out there on third base. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, chewing the bubble gum and, and getting it on his glove. But, yeah, we, I, we were the greatest cheerleaders. We believed there was nothing that he couldn't do, and that with faith in himself and belief in himself, that there was really nothing that he couldn't reach for when he put his mind to it. So that, that was what we wanted to have. We wanted to teach that in our home, you're great greatest dream and your greatest belief system has wings to fly. You know, I believe that when we believe in our children, that that gives them the wings to fly, to coin a phrase. You know, I believe that gives them the wind beneath their wings to get up and fly. Just having belief in them and saying, I believe in you. You know, some years ago, um, of course, Pastor Adam and Miss Jamie and the family uh, lived here in Texas, and we still lived in Louisiana at that time. Uh, they, they had been here probably 18, 19 years before we moved here a couple of years ago. And we were talking 
talking one day, and, you know, I was just saying to Pastor Adam, I said, you know, it's just very difficult with you guys living so far, holidays, different moments like that. It's just difficult. And Pastor Adam gave me my greatest compliment. He said, you know, Mom, you always taught me to fly high. And so that's what I did. I flew high. You know, but I didn't think he'd go so far. I mean, you could fly high, but, you know, maybe just kind of, kind of, you know, uh, like a helicopter around right there where we live. I don't know. But anyway, that's just my thoughts. But, yeah, so, you know, to teach our kids just to fly and to fly high, you know, uh, and to be their greatest cheerleader. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes we don't have that in our lives. Sometimes we don't have people that believe in us or we don't know that we have people that believe in us. And, you know, there was a time in my life where I lost my way and I didn't believe in myself and I wandered, and I took wrong turns. But, you know, Jesus always drew me back. He always drew me to that place of my worth is in him. My worth wasn't out there, and all the things that I was seeking to try to find my worth. And he drew me and drew me back to that place where I was able to find, again, my hopes and my dreams and my future, which is in him. That's where all, that is who believes in me more than anyone is Jesus. But, you know, we have a dream stealer and a dream killer in this world. The Bible says, He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, what? I have come to give you life, an abundant life, to give us an abundant life that he believes in us and he hopes in us and he has a future for us. You know, we see this, how Jesus believed in this little ragtag group of disciples. He had this little ragtag group that he called from all kinds of places, all walks of life. Some of them were fishermen. Many people followed him in that day. And you know what? These were the guys that would say, oh, no, Jesus, send those people away. We don't have any food for them. Remember that? We don't have any fish. He's like, guys, come on. Oh, Jesus, send them away. You can't. We don't need to be bothered with this right now. But Jesus had this group that he believed in, and he entrusted them with the gospel, with the, with the beginning, the startup of the first church, because he believed in them. And we're going to look at that a little bit. In Luke chapter 10 is where our example comes from this, of, of Jesus' belief. Jesus' love is a believing love. And in um, Luke chapter 10, we see that Jesus is getting ready to send the 72 disciples out. He's gathered them all together, and he said, I'm going to send you out to do great things. Can you imagine? Here is this group that's kind of nervous, and they don't even know what they're doing. They've been brought into this thing. They've been following Jesus, but they're just not sure. And if you'll look with me in Luke 10, 1, it says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him. He sent them out ahead of him to go and be that prerequisite to to where he would go and heal and and, and preach the gospel. And and he sent them to every town and place where he was about to go. And then he tells them this, if you look in Luke 10, 3. He says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Can you imagine? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We're the lambs. There's some wolves out there. I don't know about this. But Jesus so believed in them. He, He believed that they wouldn't shrink back, that they would go. And so I love this. And then it says, you know, they went out. Jesus told them, don't even take any shoes. Don't take a backpack with your bottled water in it. Just go. He told them, go by faith, more or less. Let's see how that works out for you. I don't know if Jesus ever told you, hey, just go. Don't take any shoes. Don't take any water. I don't know. But he took this group and he sent them out. And he told them, go into the homes, and when you go in there, you know, preach the gospel to them, preach the kingdom to them, um, heal the sick, 
And so it says they go out and, and they do what Jesus had sent them to do. And then Luke 10, 17, we'll look at that. And it says the 72 returned with joy. Hallelujah. They returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Can you imagine? So because of that belief, yes, amen, that belief in, in them that they could go and do it, you know. And so I love this. Miss Jamie pulled this scripture out and she, she called me last night. She said, look at this scripture. We were talking about this concept. And I just loved it when we read it, Luke 10, 21. And it says, so, so they've come back, right? And it says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He says, oh, my goodness. Now, his joy, he's got joy because he, he entrusted them, believed in them, and they went and did what he asked them to do. That's amazing. That's what's, what faith and that's what a believing love does. It says, against all odds, we believe in you. And that's what Jesus does. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus was filled with joy that the disciples caught the vision because he believed in them. Amen. Amen. I, I had never seen that before in the Gospels till we read that last night, that literally that Jesus rejoiced as they were rejoicing. And that's one of the greatest things I think moms do so well, is that when we win, they win. And they get so excited for us. When someone has that heart of a mother, even not just our actual mother, but also that they rejoice with us and our uh, victories and the things that we overcome. And that's the beauty of the heart of a mom. And I just appreciated Mimi sharing that. She's so good at it anyway. I asked her if she was at the original Journey concert when they sang Don't Stop Believing because she lives it each and every day. If you ever don't feel like you can do it, you just have to be around Mimi a little bit and then you can, you feel like you can go anywhere and do anything. So I appreciated that so much. And the second point that we're going to talk about, the second aspect of love that we see both in moms and also in Jesus is a creative love. And so one of the most creative people I know is Keisha. And so I asked her to come and share with us on a creative love. Yes, Jesus love is a creative love. Thank you, Lord. Uh, My husband and I are both pretty creative people. You know, we're musicians, I dance, and he's real crafty and handy around the house, you know. And so it makes sense that when you have two creative people, the people we made together are a bunch of little creatives. And so, and I'm telling you what, when you have a, a gang of three creatives, that can creatively think of how to gang up on you. You have to rely on the Lord for those parenting solutions, you know, just those creative ways to love them well. And uh, I'll never forget when my middle son, Justice, was in kindergarten. Uh, we were going around the dinner table and talking about, oh, you know, what did you learn at school today? And, and when, when his turn came, he was ready. He was so excited. And he threw his hand up and said, I'm Mexican. <laughs> and now, if you know my family... You know that we are a multiracial and a multicultural family. It just so happens that none of us actually are Hispanic and none of us actually are from Mexico. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. Come on, somebody. Not yet. Uh, And so uh, it turned out that that day uh, the five-year-olds on the playground were talking about race. And Justice just didn't know exactly where he fit in. And so, you know, his problem solving was that he just you know, lined his little friends up and walked down the line comparing like, oh, who do, who do I match? And okay, oh, okay, okay. And when he found the one that was closest to his skin tone, it just happened that that little boy had just proudly and with so much love, you know, been talking about and declaring how he 
was Mexican and his family was from Mexico, you know, and he was just so, so happy about that. And Justice was like, all right, I, I, can, I can adopt that. You know, that's, that sounds good. Viva Mexico. Okay, come on. Uh, <laughs> and, and so uh, what that made me realize as a mother was that it was time for me to have some conversations with my kids about the diversity, not only in our own family, but in the world around them and just what that meant for them. So the way that I did that is I got two tubs of good old Duncan Hines frosting, one in chocolate, one in vanilla, and let the kids have at it. Here, grab a spoon. It was, oh, yeah, smear that on your face. Taste that. Is that good? Yeah? You like the way that looks? Okay, good. And then we took them both and mixed them together, stirred them up in the bowl, let them taste it again. How do you like it? Oh, it's still sweet. It's still good. And that was the point that I was trying to, to drive home with them, you know. <laughs> And there's so many times in the Bible that we see Jesus being creative with his solutions and how he taught us. And, you know, just like I was able to convey this, this complex um, concept to my kids with something as simple as icing, Jesus taught us through his parables, you know, and the, the average person of his day didn't have access to the scrolls in the temple. And so to, to teach the things that he needed for us to understand, he broke it down using everyday items and situations that everyone was sure to understand. Uh, and so one of my favorite examples of that is in Matthew 7. Jesus could have said, hey, listen up, uh, listen to my teachings, take them to heart, apply them to your life now, because it's going to be harder to do that later when times are tough. But instead, he told the story of two men who built their houses on two very different foundations, one on the sand and one on the solid rock. And then when the waves came crashing down, only the house of the man who built on the solid rock remained. And so just instead of speaking very directly and saying, my teachings are valuable and they're worth building your life on, he used this very vivid imagery to, to help people to see, and that made his message more powerful, and it made it stick with them. And I guarantee that uh, Justice, who's 12 now, he's not 5 anymore, uh, he'll never forget that icing illustration. <laughs> So thankful. Uh, and then another great example I see of Jesus being very creative is in John chapter 9 when he used his saliva to make mud in the dirt and then smear it on the blind man's eyes and then told the blind man, go wash your eyes. And if you know what happened in the story next, once the blind man washed his eyes, he saw for the first time in his life. And man, you want to talk about a creative miracle, a creative solution to, to something that he had walked with for his whole life. And, and it's just so neat to see um, how Jesus meets us at the point of our need. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you today, any of you moms out there who feel like you're failing, maybe you had a, a, a blowout uh, temper tantrum that you were dealing with this morning on your way to church, or maybe you don't even like your kids today. Just know that Jesus has a creative solution of love for you to meet you where you're at, and we just believe him to perform a miracle for you today. Keisha had a number of just brilliant examples, but I, I was stuck on icing and how yummy that probably was. So I was like, stick with the icing story. I love that story. It was incredible. The third point that we're going to talk about is that the love of a mother and the love of Jesus is a protective love. 
And I actually asked if I could get to be the one to do this because I'm not necessarily always great at the others, but protective I just really identified with for whatever reason. In our home, we love talking about superheroes and different things like that. And my kids are very patient to back me up and explain all the DC versus Marvel and everything that exists. And I got to see the new Avengers movie, all three hours of it, and stayed awake through the whole thing. I was really proud of myself. Usually date night, by the time we both sit down, we both like fall asleep in the movie. So, um, but it was many of our dinner table discussions lead to which Avenger are you or which, you know, DC uh, superhero are you? And if you're not a superhero person, I apologize, but in our family, it somehow becomes very much a, a topic of conversation. So we always go through how Cohen has got to be Captain America because he always says language every time someone says something. And, and Mariah will tell us all the girls and the ones that she identifies with, and and then we can't decide if dad is Nick Fury, or he wants to be Thor. He wants to be Thor. He wants to be Thor with abs, he said. Um, So, but we all think he's more of a Nick Fury guy. Like, this this is a very, very crucial discussion in our home, you have to know. And so then it gets to me, and the kids are like, Mom, you're Hulk. I was like, I'm Hulk? Wait, I want to be the girl in the black leotard. That's the one I want to be, right? Can I be her? Like... Um, and they're like, nope, nope, you're Hulk for sure. They're, and I was like, Hulk, I don't get it. They go, well, you're kind of like a nerd, all normal life, until somebody gets you mad. And then Mama Bear comes out, or as we like to call him, Hulk in our world. So after I thought about it, I said, it is true, because um, I'm definitely a nerd. But when something begins to threaten the values of our family or to, uh, to what feels like Um, danger for our our world or my kids. Oh my goodness. Here comes mama bear, right? And, And I don't think I'm the only one out there that's like, oh no, you have messed with my kids. We have trouble now. We have a problem. And when they were little, it started with something like lots of hand sanitizer and baby monitor. Wait, Jamie, and almost wanting to wake them up in the middle of the night to make sure they were still alive. And then I would be like, wait, Jamie, your kid's asleep? Let them sleep. What are you doing? Don't wake your kid up. Or those 10-point harness baby car-, baby car seats that you don't know how to get the kid out once you've gotten them in. All those things that we do to protect our kids. Um, and they say that actually when a woman becomes a mother, literally there are different chemical changes in her body that make her more protective. They literally can measure, not just, they talk about hormones of pregnancy and different things like that, but a woman physiologically changes when she becomes a mother. That's why they'll, they'll, you'll see it where there's a desire to protect that's there and a desire to care. And so uh, when my kids were little, it, it definitely came out a lot. I had two examples in my mind and I asked my older two and they begin to produce this plethora of examples of how I went and had to confront a teacher or I did these things. I'm like, did I do that? I don't remember doing all those things. But, uh, but what I do remember in particular is um, my amazing son, Cohen, who's now a grown man and, uh, and everything. He, uh, he had six surgeries before he was five years old. 
And so there were plenty of opportunities to really feel the need to protect. And those moments, if you've ever had a child go through surgery, you hand them away to a nurse that although very capable in that moment, no one seems capable enough to care for your child in that moment. And, and the kids are not always excited unless they've been given a little bit of that loopy drug. And then they're like, bye, mom, see you later. But, um, but then even afterwards, as they're in recovery, and I remember one particular time, we could hear him in the next room waking up. And with everything in me, I wanted to rip off the double doors and be like, get me to my kid right now. You cannot keep me from this child because there was such a desire to protect him. And we, we want to protect our kids physically, but then as they get older, we want to protect their hearts because we know we live in a world that doesn't play fair all the time. We know we live in a world where people don't always abide by kindness rules. And so as a mom, there's such a desire to protect their hearts, for them not to experience pain or difficulty or anything like that. But you know what? We live in a world where that's inevitable. And so we, we have to support our kids and protect our kids. But even more than going mama bear and showing up on the poor principal and letting her have the wherewithal and just letting her have it, there's so many more ways that we can protect our kids. And we see that Jesus actually had a protective love. He had a heart to protect. And he did that through prayer. And we see this in John 17. The last four or five chapters of John or tell the story of the Last Supper. Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples. They've eaten together. He washes their feet as a sign of, of servanthood. Judas then uh, gets up to leave. All these things are happening, and then Jesus begins to teach. And he begins, I would imagine, to say, here's all the things I really need to tell you before, before I leave, because he knows his time is short. He knows he doesn't have long with the men that he has just spent the last three years of his life with, the men that he's poured his world into, that he knows he's entrusting with the gospel and the future of the early church. And so as he begins to, to pour into them, he finishes with a prayer. He finishes with praying over his disciples. And the last part of that prayer is a prayer of protection. And for me, that just helped me remember, you know what? I can give my kids guidance. I can try to want to just jump in front of a bus if it means they're not going to be safe. But the best thing I can do is pray for them. Pray that they're protected. Pray that their hearts are protected. Pray that their, their bodies are protected, that God gives them wisdom. And we see this in John 17, that the Lord prayed for his disciples. In verse 6, he says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. He's speaking to Father God. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed their word. You know, as moms, we have to remember that our kids are a gift from the Lord. And so we give them back to him. They're not ours to, to keep and protect. We have to give them back. He says in verse nine, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me for they are yours. And in verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. The disciples had had the privilege of literally walking with Jesus for three years, literally watching him handle things, literally being kind of up under his wing of protection. And, and now they were going to be on their own, and it was going to feel really lonely. You know, there's so many times that we may feel alone. 
we may feel lonely, we may not feel like anyone is walking with us through the things that we're walking through. But, but one of the things that I hope you take away today as a nugget is that the love of Jesus for you is a protective love. He doesn't just protect us when we're aware of his protection. Like I talked about a few weeks ago that the Lord was like, Jamie, you do realize that I protect you all the time, right? Not just when you're, uh, when you're conscious of that, but, but that we're aware of his love, his protective love for us each and every day. He loves you, his heart is for you, and he, and he prays that you'll be protected. And so it's important to remember that there's a protective love as the aspect that comes from both mothers and Jesus. So the final one we're going to talk about is a compassionate love. So I asked one of the most compassionate people I know to do, not that everybody else isn't compassionate, of course, but Miss Annalie has a special, special anointing for it. So will you share it with us? Absolutely. I, I would like to start with reading a passage to you. It's from Psalm 145, 8 through 9. And it says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. It doesn't say that he has compassion on his favorites or on the ones who deserve it, on the special ones. He has compassion on all that he has made. Compassion is when somebody else's heartbreak becomes your heartbreak. When you are able to see somebody suffering and then that suffering becomes yours, that's what compassion is. And true compassion changes the way we live. We can't go on and see injustice or hurt without doing anything about it. So I would like to share a story about one of my daughters. Um, She just went through her first real heartbreak. And uh, I saw her grieve the loss of a friend. I saw her feel rejected. I saw her uh, question her self-worth and her value as a friend. Even though she did everything she could to make things work, um, she ended up with a broken heart still and just very sad. And you can imagine that crushed my heart along with it. And I encouraged her and I held her. I let her cry um, but it was still very difficult for me to not really be able to fix, not to be, to be able to not flip a switch and make her happy again. And so that my compassion for her drove me to my knees to pray for her, to seek to the one who can mend hearts, who can bring healing. And uh, praise Jesus, the friends are on the road to reconciliation. You can help me pray for that. But um, we see how Jesus has compassion on people. Um, I would like to read another passage, Matthew 20, 30 through 34. It's the story of two blind men who received their sight. It says, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. The crowds who were with Jesus thought that these men were insignificant. They thought They're not worth Jesus stopping to do a miracle for them. 
But Jesus had compassion on them, and he stopped. You might ask, does Jesus care? Does he care about what I'm going through? And the answer is a resounding yes. When you are grieving the loss of a loved one, he cares. When you are mistreated, he feels that. When you are confused in a maze of misdirection, desperately needing guidance, Jesus, he cares and he's willing. And, you know, when I'm struggling to feel God's love or to understand how he sees me, he always reminds me, how much do you love your children? And it overwhelms me with love. And as I uh, prepared for this morning, as I prayed, I really felt the Lord put in my heart as my Mother's Day gift to you is that if there is something you have a regret about, if there is something that you are struggling with or you feel like nobody else cares about, I want you to know this morning that Jesus cares and that he sees you with compassion. I love that. And I think, I think that you've seen a theme this morning as we talk about Mother's Day. Not only are we here to celebrate moms, but we really felt like in honor of moms, what they do so well is love. And there is a love available to all of us. There is a love that comes from our Heavenly Father. And that tangible love came to earth, and that's Jesus. And he believed in people enough to entrust them with uh, the whole future of, of the message that he had to share. And, and he used whatever it took. And the Lord will do that for you as well. I mean, it, whatever it takes, whatever message in nature, whatever friend can come and talk to you, the Lord is always reaching. He's always looking for those creative ways. Why? Because he believes in you. Because he believes that you were created for a purpose, that you were created for a, to do great things on this earth as we love people and as we serve people. And even in when we don't know it, he's protecting us. Even when we don't deserve it because we've gotten ourselves in a crazy situation, he protects us. Some of us are sitting here and we know situations we came through that we shouldn't have survived, but his hand of protection was there because we serve a God that is so loving and so compassionate that his heart is towards us each and every day and his there. We never have to walk alone through anything we go through. The Spirit of God is here to touch and to to be there with us through each and everything that we go through. So we just want to pray together as we wrap up. So if you wouldn't mind joining me and standing in prayer as we pray together. Come on, wasn't that great today? Give these ladies a hand. You know, some of us, are struggling with the fact that um, that Jesus' love always is for us. He's always believing for you. Maybe you didn't grow up in a home that believed in you. I'm going to have Mimi here in just a moment pray over you that you could embrace the believing love of Jesus. He believes in you, even when you don't believe in yourself. We should have learned that from our moms. But in case that didn't happen in your life, you need to know that Jesus believes in you. Mimi, would you pray that over us? Father, we do thank you today that you've given us this word today at a different level maybe in our hearts today, Father, that you believe in us when we can't believe in ourselves. 
God, when we've wandered from the truth or maybe things have disappointed us, Father. And sometimes when disappointment comes, Lord, I know it's, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe in ourselves. We, we question ourselves. But, Father, I pray that right now, this morning, that there would just be a, a great concept of you believe in us, that there's nowhere we can go that's too far away from your love and your faith because you created us, God, and you believe in us. Let that drop deep into our hearts today. Let someone hear you say, I believe in you, in Jesus' name. You know, for some of us, some of the problems that we're dealing with right now, whether raising kids, income, marriage problems, you need a creative solution. The God that I serve, he doesn't just say, well, if you do these five things, it'll happen this way. He invades the broken spaces and he does creative miracles because his love is creative. Keisha, I want you to pray that over us. God, I thank you that you are the author of creation. Father, thank you that we don't have to settle for dead religion that is, that's average and that's boring and mundane. But Father, we can trust you to perform these creative works in our lives, to perform miracles in those places that we feel stuck, that we feel broken, that we feel like we don't know what to do. God, you never run out of ideas, Lord. And I just thank you for breakthrough, even today, in the name of Jesus. If you have felt abandoned, unprotected, feel like in your life that we talk about this great Jesus and how great he is, but you have felt that you were exposed and wounded. I want you to know the protective love of the Father. Even if you struggle to believe it, it's real. Jesus takes care of and protects us, even though we may not understand it. And just like a, a mom does with a child, sometimes that requires a spanking, a discipline. But that's all how the hope that child will be who they were created to be. And God does love you. He does have creative solutions in that love. He also wants to protect you from the plan of the enemy to destroy you. Miss Jamie, would you pray that over us? Heavenly Father, we just take a moment and first of all, thank you that there were times in our lives when your hand of protection was, a, was there even when we were unaware. And Lord, looking back at the times where with a split second difference in life, life would have ended for us in that moment. And we acknowledge your hand of protection in those moments, Father. And Father, I just pray for anyone who struggles feeling unprotected, that deals with fear or anxiety or panic. Lord, I just pray that you would bring a sense of peace this morning. I pray that you would bring an awareness of a protection that transcends anything earthly, Father. I just pray, Lord, that you would um, go with them, that your, your Holy Spirit would be sensed in a new and powerful way. In Jesus' name we ask. The Lord's love for us is compassionate. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us his love in spite of what we do or don't do right or wrong. He has such a compassionate love. If you've felt a lack of compassion towards others, it's probably because you don't understand the compassionate love that God has for you. If you find yourself being harsh on others, your own children, your spouse, your friends, it's because you haven't completely embraced the overwhelming compassion that Jesus has for you so that you can have that for others. And I'd like Annalie to pray that over us now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for those who, those of us who have regrets or who feel unworthy. Father, I pray that an overwhelming sense of compassion would come over us, oh God. 
that we would be able to feel your love, that we would be able to see ourselves as you see us, that we would see others as you see them. Jesus, we ask you that you transform our hearts, that you give us hearts of compassion. Father, that you bring healing where there's healing needed, that you bring clarity where there's clarity needed. Father, we thank you that you are here, that you love us, and that you have a heart of compassion for us. If you just keep your head bowed for just a few more moments with me. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Lord. You've been hearing us talk about him. And maybe you sense, you say, man, Pastor, it's like Jesus is your best friend. That's true. He's my best friend. Maybe you know religion and you know good works. And maybe back in the day when you were a kid, you said a prayer or something. I'm not asking you about those things. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross so that there would no longer be a divide between humanity and, and, and Father God. See, our sin divides us. It keeps us away. Our, the original disobedience in the garden split that relationship apart. And therefore, you and I needed a way back, and Jesus paid that way. It's like two chasm, this great chasm with two sides. That cross lays over it like a, like a bridge. And Jesus says to those who would want to know God, he says, come unto me. He says, for I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through me. And friend, today, Jesus is reaching out to you. The old preacher said it like this. Jesus knocks on the door, but that door only has a handle on one side. It's on the inside, and you yourself have to turn that knob and let Jesus in. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give a call to anyone who's a pastor. I don't feel like if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I don't feel like I really know Jesus like you're talking about him, but I want to. I want my life to be different. The Word of God says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he will then forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't demand that you give money to the church or that you crawl on your knees or that you do these acts of service. He offers his salvation as a free gift. You say, well, I don't have to pay for it. No, no, no. He paid for it all 2,000 years ago. You and I have access to him. In fact, I tell people all the time, every sin that you've ever committed has already been covered and prepaid. He paid it forward. There's an account with your name on it with all of it paid for. So how do I access that account? By confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that he is the Christ. I want to give you that opportunity today with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're away from Jesus and you want to come home today, if you used to be a Christian and you walked away and you want to repent and make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd like to pray with you. No one's looking. This is a deep, private decision. I know we're in public, but I'm giving you an opportunity with everyone's heads bowed and every eyes closed. And if you come to the conclusion, yes, pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Yes, I don't feel like I would go, I would go to heaven. I want to repent. I want Jesus in my life. Would you let me pray with you? No one's looking. I'm not going to call you forward. I don't want to embarrass you. But I'm right there where you stand. I need you to make that decision. And let me pray for you right in your seat. And I need you to acknowledge that by just quickly lifting your hand and saying, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you, sweet love. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. God bless you for your honesty. Anyone? Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? No one's looking. Just me, you, and heaven. God bless you. May you never be the same. God bless you, sweet love. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of commitment. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of these who lifted their hand. Those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to mean this from the depths of your heart. 
I want you to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And I'll lead you now in a prayer. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Jesus. A little bit better. Jesus, Jesus. Today, I admit, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you and against heaven. But I ask you now to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And write my name in your book of life. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? I want to pray one last little prayer over you, Father. I pray for every man and woman who, pray, who prayed out to you just now, who cried out from their depths of their heart to make you their Lord and Savior. I pray that they would feel the peace, the peace that comes from being right. Lord, I pray, Lord God, they would sense the joy that they don't have to, they don't have to perform. They don't have to go be good and not be bad. That they're forgiven. I pray for a revelation that though they may stumble, they may sin, they may fall, that from this point forward, they're yours. They're yours. And that, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that they would know what it is to be a son, a daughter of the Most High God. Lord, I pray for a strength to overcome. And I pray that they would allow you to move in every aspect of their life. Give them strength, I pray, in Jesus' name.